And now it's time for another Dr. Film Podcast. Well, Anamorphia, I think it's time to talk some more about dual identities today. What? what wait. Speaking of dual identities, what's happening to the recorder? I don't know. We're being taken over. Good evening, and welcome to... Another edition of the Schlesinger Report. I'm your host, Michael Schlesinger, and this is another edition of the show that answers the question, is radio really improved by the addition of pictures? Uh, We're very happy to uh, welcome tonight uh, a distinguished veteran of the motion picture industry, writer, producer, director, performer, historian, and uh, just about all-around versatile person. Uh, please welcome, uh, won't you, Mr. Michael Schlesinger. Uh, thank you, um, Michael, and uh, please just call me Mike. It'll save some time. Uh, I'll do that. So uh, give us a little background on yourself, uh, the, uh, what you've been up to these uh, many years in the business. Well, it all started at a 5,000-watt radio station in Fresno. Uh, I think that's Ted Baxter. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, hmm, yeah, I, You know, I did sound familiar. Okay, well, um, I started out in Dayton, Ohio, my hometown, working in the office of a local theater chain. Was there for a little over half a year. Uh, then left and moved to Cincinnati, uh, where I got a job at a booking and buying service. This is a, a service that actually books movies into theaters, mostly independent theaters that are not parts of chains. Uh, there was a lot more frequent in the 70s than it is now. Um, and I was there for about uh, eight years. And uh, during that time, I also got my first taste of production uh, as my boss dabbled in making movies, including uh, the very successful Harper Valley PTA. Uh, and I harbored thoughts of being a screenwriter. Uh, and after a couple of near misses, uh, I was basically told by a friend who lives out here in L.A., uh, they're not going to take you seriously if you live in Cincinnati. You're going to have to make the move. So I finally uh, girded up my loins and moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I continued to to, uh, book and buy theaters to pay the rent uh, while I pursued my screenwriting career. And um, sadly, uh, there were a lot of very, very, very close calls, but... uh, Something always uh, came into the works to gum it up at the last second. So after about five years of this, I got a call from a friend who was running MGM UA Classics. This was back when classics meant actual old movies, not first-run art films. And he said to me, look, I got a guy leaving. Nobody knows his shit better than you. Just come on, get back in the harness. And frankly, the thought of um, you know having a regular salary again uh, along with, you know, health uh, benefits and being able to move out of my crummy apartment into a nicer place did appeal to me. And in truth, I was probably the perfect person for the job because I knew the library, I knew the business, and I knew many of the exhibitors. So uh, it really worked out well. So I was there for close to three years. 
my greatest triumph was the uh, blockbuster re-release of The Manchurian Candidate. Uh, and uh, it was so successful that they fired me. Uh, the reason, uh, well, that's, that seems kind of strange. Uh, why would they fire you for being successful? Well, you see, it's all about uh, fragile, petty egos out here. Uh, there's two ways of looking at something. You can uh, look at what somebody did and take pride in the accomplishment, or you can look at it and think, this schmuck is making me look bad. And uh, unfortunately, they chose the latter. So uh, from there, I moved to Paramount and was there for nearly five years. Uh, then pretty much the same thing happened. Uh, and then I called up Jeff Blake, who had been my boss at Paramount, but was now at Sony, which is Columbia, and said, I'm free again. He said, well, when you can start, let me know. So I then moved to Columbia, and I was there for 19 years total. It was a much more happy experience, uh, the last six of which uh, I was at home entertainment, getting movies out on DVD, trying to get movies out on DVD. Um, unfortunately, the last two or three years, I was mostly sitting around twiddling my thumbs, because uh, I found those people were basically lazy and uh, allergic to making money. So, um, as uh, my, when my contract was up for renewal, I thought, you know, I think maybe it's time for me to just, um, you know, put on them hush puppies and hit the pavement. Um, I had, you know, turned 60, and uh, I thought, you know, now it's time for me to maybe take it easy and just do stuff that, you know, pleases me. So I've been doing some DVD commentaries. Um, I'm a trailer from Hell Guru. I've appeared in a number of documentaries, including uh, the HBO uh, documentary, um, If You're Not in the Obit, Eat Breakfast, which recently got two Emmy nominations, not because of me, however. And, of course, indulging in some self-financed, scrappy, award-winning, independent filmmaking. Ah, that's a very complete story. Thank you. Um, uh, let's talk about um, your scrappy independent filmmaking, uh, particularly uh, Biffle and Schuster. Why? Well, you know, some people look at Biffle and Schuster and say, why? I look at Biffle and Schuster and say, why not? I was hoping for something a little more substantive. Oh, boy, you're going to be picky, huh? All right. Well, um, you know, for about a century... Uh, that traditional classic slapstick, snappy patter, bad puns, singing songs, uh, vaudeville style of comedy was coin of the realm. And then somewhere in the 80s, it kind of frittered away, partly because um, the last generation of its practitioners, the people like Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner and Larry Gelbart and Neil Simon and Blake Edwards, etc., uh, etc., et all either died or retired, and there was no one there to pick up the gauntlet, uh, or, um, more likely, um, in the 80s, um, the studios discovered that uh, kids really didn't care about plot and character or even jokes. Uh, they were just much more interested in sex and excretory humor. So, in, in place of that, you got, you know, peeing and pooping and barfing and farting and guys getting kicked in the balls and women talking about their vaginas. Uh, along with um, a real condescending attitude and characters that were kind of obnoxious and unlikable. And um, that is what passes for comedy nowadays, for the most part. So uh, I decided uh, to um, participate in what I call zombie vaudeville, which is taking this kind of comedy and bringing it back to life and hoping that um, it will catch on. And based on the reviews, which... 
I have to say, are kind of embarrassing. I think even Barbara Streisand's head would be turned by some of these. Uh, we've succeeded, succeeded, at least artistically, maybe not financially, but as they say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you're hoping for uh, more success in it. Well, you know, it's it, I, we always saw this as a niche thing, uh, and uh, I, you know, I can't really expect millennials to jump up and down at the sight of a black and white uh, series of shorts it's with people wearing hats and um, telling jokes they don't get. But I think if they did watch it, they would enjoy it. But I also saw it as a calling card to hopefully lead to more and and uh, perhaps better things. But again, we're early, and uh, we'll see. But uh, sales seem to be, so far, pretty decent, considering it's an original property uh, with no real previous exposure. So um, there you go. Um, where did Biffle & Schuster come from? Uh, well, Biffle's from uh, Brooklyn, and Schuster's from Cleveland. And again, uh, that really wasn't what I meant. Uh, okay. Uh, well, Nick Sanmarie and Will Ryan, who are Biffle and Schuster, uh, sort of uh, created the, the team several years ago. It was more of an ad hoc thing. And they would do live appearances uh, as the team. Um, and then Nick wrote some scripts, and a friend of his named, I think, Paul Lewis, did some animated shorts, which I believe are on YouTube, um, but again, they, they really weren't characters. They were just kind of nebulous blobs, I think. Uh, the only way you could tell them apart was that one of them had a pair of glasses. And they really, you know, they had, there had been no real fleshing out of the characters. I don't even think Biffle had a first name. So when I got the idea to say, hey, let's make a short, because it would be inexpensive and I could pay for it myself since I knew Kickstarter wasn't going to be any help, um... Yeah, I, I fleshed them out. I, I gave them names, I gave them personalities, I gave them running gags, uh, and um, and they responded very well. And that first short, It's a Frame-Up, um, got, you know, some very, very nice attention. We weren't in a lot of film festivals, because film festivals want bleak and depressing and soul-crushing, uh, and um, they're not interested in guys in fedoras getting slapped. But um, it did a, it did attract attention. Not enough, but uh, but in the meantime, I'm sitting here with one short. I'm thinking, what can you do with one short? You can't even make applesauce. So I thought, well, the one thing that I can really do is just bite the bullet and make more, because that way I'd at least have enough for a DVD. I could even put several together and make an ersatz feature out of them, like you know some of those old Three Stooges laugharama. And uh, maybe that way recoup a little bit, but also might get more attention to uh, whatever abilities I have as a filmmaker. And so we did four or five more. I say four or five. We did four full shorts, and then we did a fake Vitaphone short, which is just a one-reeler. Uh, and um, they're out now on DVD from uh, Kino Lorber under the title The Misadventures of Biffle and Schuster. There is also an Erzatz feature version streaming called um, Quiet Streaming called uh, The Adventures of Biffle and Schuster uh, which is for the shorts plus uh, a handful of the extras but if you want everything you have to get the DVD and that includes about four hours of extras so on top of the two plus hours of shorts it's basically six hours of entertainment on one disc which I'd say is a heck of a bargain uh, and uh, it's available now through all finer um, online outfits and possibly even some brick-and-mortar stores, too. Uh, and what are your future plans for Biffle & Schuster? Well, 
you know, I'd love to see it as a streaming series. You know, Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. Our, our pitch would be, hey, you know, we've already made five. You just have to make five more, and there's your first season. And, um, you know, we're kicking idea around for a feature. We're, um, I'm also thinking about possibly doing one of their radio shows uh, as a podcast. And, um, and they continue to make personal appearances when they can. Uh, there's also a Biffle & Schuster comic book and also a, a book book called The Pocket Guide to Personal Etiquette. So, you know, it's, it's a micro-franchise, but uh, like I said, the response has been excellent, so um, hopefully we'll keep on going. Uh, one thing I noticed about the shorts is that they are amazingly authentic. Uh, talk a little bit, was, was that really hard to achieve that? No, it wasn't hard at all. And in fact, it's, it's relatively easy to be authentic. You just have to want to do it. I have an authenticity fetish, and, um, you know, nothing makes me happier than for someone to think they're actually seeing something that was made in the 30s. Uh, that means we've really um, hit our goal and achieved the idea that we fooled them. Um, I was very lucky because I surrounded myself with great people on both sides of the camera. A lot of the actors came from uh, Larry Blumeyer's stock company, uh, and they know this territory well, and a lot of my crew members uh, also have experience with Larry, and then um, my DP, uh, Doug Knapp, who's been around for a long time, he even shot the original Assault on Precinct 13, is one of the guy, few guys left who knows how to light for black and white. So, um, uh, and then my editor, Bill Byrne Russell, who is pretty much a one-man post-production house, did a fantastic job of, you know, aging the films, and uh, I mean, I love to play around with color and aspect ratio and sounds, and we did all kinds of fun things on the DVD, especially on the extras. And uh, so, like I say, you can want it to look authentic. You just have to want it to make it to look authentic. And you can do it. And it really didn't cost much extra in terms of, of doing that. Because, uh, you know, there's little that makes me crazier than going into a movie that's a period piece and they just get all the details wrong. You know, the women don't have, you know, red lipstick or red fingernail polish. Nobody smokes. Not even the Nazis. Um... And, you know, the hairstyles are wrong, the dialogue is wrong, and it's like, you know, why are you even bothering, you know? So um, I figure, I have, uh, my philosophy is do it right or don't do it. So I said, we're going to make, these are going to look like they were made in the 30s, and, and uh, we seem to have achieved that. And, uh, all right, go ahead. More questions? You know, when I was a young man, I used to spit them out faster than that. That's a Citizen Kane quote, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it is. Thank you. I also noticed uh, on the DVD cover you have It's Terrific, which uh, was taken from the original ad campaign for Citizen Kane. Well, that's right, but, you know, I'd like to think this is the greatest directorial debut since Citizen Kane. I'm not sure that many people would agree with you. Well, you're probably right, but I'd like to think so, so there you go. Uh, well, I think the old clock on the wall says that we're about done. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Schlesinger, for uh, taking time to be with us. Uh, well, it was my pleasure. Always good to get out there and plug the old merchandise. Uh, who you got on next week? Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, we usually book very close to airtime, but I'm sure it'll be someone equally as exciting and important as you are. Oh, well, in that case, you're in real trouble. Thank you, Michael Schlesinger, for being with us tonight. My name is Michael Schlesinger, and until next week, this is the Schlesinger Report. And remember, movies are your best entertainment. Well, I guess we're back. 
Hope we'll be able to do a full podcast next time without all this interference. Mm-hmm.